Welcome once again to the Magnum Rewatch Podcast. I'm Graham Stark. And I'm Kathleen DeVere. And we are here to tell you about the man with the mustache. The greatest private investigator of 1980s network television, one Thomas Magnum, comma, P.I. P dot I dot. Actually, there's no comma. There was a comma in the opening titles of one episode. And then they were like, no, that's too much. Yeah. But I mean, I think if you were going to read it off his business card, it'd be Thomas Magnum, comma, private investigator. Probably. Yeah. He does not like private eye. Yeah. And he doesn't, presumably he would not then enjoy private dick or gumshoe. Oh, definitely not. Uh, This episode, which aired on January 8th, 1981. Oh! We're now into 81, after the last episode, of course, aired on Christmas. Uh, This episode is called No Need to Know. Mm. The phrase need to know is used in some manner at least eight times in the episode. At least that's all the ones I was able to keep track of. Yeah. By way of introduction to this episode, be sure to remember that Magnum P.I. is a light-hearted, adventurous romp through Hawaii as we follow the wacky misadventures of this lovable P.I. and his interesting friends. And what better way to open up the next hour of exciting television with... The Troubles! Oh, oh, that's actually very real and serious. And very dark. So we'll get into a bit more detail as the podcast goes on, but just so you know, The Troubles is uh, the sort of colloquial term for um, what most people actually call a war between the sort of uh, the ethno-nationalist conflict in Northern Ireland that uh, uh, sometimes spilled into the Independent Republic of Ireland, England, and mainland Europe. It uh, started in the late 1960s, and it was about uh, whether Northern Ireland would continue to be part of the UK. And we opened the episode with a shot of the TV showing footage, real footage, by the way, mm-hmm. of things being blown up in Northern Ireland. Yeah, in Belfast. Yeah, it's uh, it's like, oh, that's, that, oh, okay, I guess we're starting... <laughs> We're starting there, are we? This is a serious episode, bracket TM and bracket. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but, but what happens at the beginning, Graham? Uh, well, you just hear Higgins talking on the phone over this shot of the thing that's sort of like, yes, everything will be ready. And then that's then it cuts away from the television. Then we cut to uh, Magnum arriving home in the morning. After being out late at night on a, uh, on a case, a.k.a. A divorce case. Typically what he ends up doing. He does say, though, no, you don't want to know what the case was. Yeah, so we never find out. He spent all night squatting in the brush. He's almost certainly looking for somebody stupping his mistress on the side. So he he pulls up to the gate in Robin 1, the red Ferrari. Yeah. And the, the gate won't open. Yeah. And he just wants to get inside. He's annoyed at Higgins and he doesn't have time for this. So he gets his duffel bag and jumps the wall. Mm-hmm. And we see this from the point of view of a camera. Someone is photographing him entering the Robin Masters estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets to the guest house. The lock has been changed. Real funny, Higgins. So, of course, Magnum, as has been well established, has to pick the lock because he's he's an adept lock picker. Once again, uh, trying to uh, not concentrate on Zeus and Apollo racing towards him. Mm-hmm. And then he gets inside, managed to evade the dogs, and there's armed military inside who rip his duffel bag away from him, put him up against the wall and start patting him down. It's uh pretty startling. Yeah. He's it, he's very confused. He's not okay with it. I would say he is uh unhappy is a good word for it. Uh yeah. but mostly just confused. And it turns out that one of the 
military men is uh, Brigadier Alistair Folks, spelled with two Fs mm. for added f, f- value. <laughs> f- Folks, who uh, we did hear mentioned briefly in the newsreel at the beginning uh, as a guy very high up in fighting the IRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why, why is he in Hawaii? What's, what's going on here? Well, he's on vacation. He's taking a break because there is a sentencing going along for a, a high profile IRA trial. I'll get into who the IRA later, but they're one of the sides in this conflict. And, uh, there has been some threats upon his life suggested by members of the IRA and retaliation for two of their members going to jail. So Falks has decided to take a short uh, uh, respite in Hawaii. It's a. It's not so much a vacation as a... Uh, Get out of town. Yeah. So the two stewardi... St- the stu- stews. St- the stews. There's, yeah, there's two stews there, which Magnum is also confused briefly, but then much happier uh, to know about. Because uh, they've been put in the guest house because no one but Brigadier Folks and his men are allowed in the main house. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're friends, how Folks and Robin Masters know each other, but we do find out that Higgins served with Folks in Hong Kong. Higgins, in fact, was Sergeant Major to Folks in the British Army in Hong Kong. And there's this little bit where uh, one of the stewardesses says something to the effect of, like, I'm pretty tired after that body search or whatever. And Magnum's like, body search? What? Higgins? And Higgins just sort of looks at Magnum and leaves the room. And then Magnum mugs to the camera. Yeah. That's this episode's. I, I don't find that joke particularly funny. One of the um, the stewardesses, by the way. The steward eye. The stews. Mandy is really interested in Magnum and his detectiving. Oh, yeah, Ma- Mandy. They're both, uh, they're a pair of American stewardesses. Uh, and uh, Mandy is definitely like, oh, you're a detective? Oh, my goodness, in a way that makes me immediately suspicious. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, she tries to come on to Magnum a few times over the course of the episode. And uh, it uh, set my something is wrong here sensors tingling off so much. I thought something would happen at a point in the episode where nothing did happen, but it still made me extremely nervous. So Mandy starts hitting on Magnum. Magnum is not interested and says, there's three of us. Great. I'll take the first rotation in the bed. Good night. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's been up all night. Yeah. Mag- Magnum, uh, actually not such a bad person overall. He gets woken up mere hours later from a phone call from Rick, who has a case for him. There's someone at the King Kamehameha Club who has a case for Magnum, and he's really got to get down there really right now. I actually quite like this little touch. Magnum's says on the phone, he's like, look, I just hit the rack like three hours ago. And I just liked the throwing hit the rack in there, left over from his naval days. I was going to say, is that Navy slang? Yes. Yes. Thank you for looking that up. You're welcome. I actually just knew that one, but anyway. Really? Yes. Ooh, a man of many talents is Graham <laughs> Yes, I know random naval slang. Anyway, Magnum says he will show up, but not until he's done his laps. I mean, you know, you don't get incredible upper body strength and tone like that by not swimming every single day. And he apparently does. He apparently uh, is really, really keen on this. Rick is hounding him to come down and talk to someone about this case. But Magnum looks out the window and sees that the the two flight attendants are down in the tide pool and is like, ah, laps. Yeah. So he goes down there and there's a dude on a sailboat just outside the range of the 
tide pool. Yeah, like just out, just off the property line. You we should might say. we should sort of paint a picture of this. It's a private beach mm-hmm. on the estate, and there's like a, almost a retaining wall sort of thing about the height of the water at typical tide, mm-hmm. so that you don't really see it but it's definitely there and it goes some distance out from the beach and then along and back in again creating this sort of this like i say this tidal pool that is it more protected from the waves and like a little warmer and all of that nice stuff and beyond that is this dude on a sailboat taking pictures and it looks like he's just being a sort of a, a creeper to the two girls in bikinis um but he's also pretty interested in taking pictures of brigadier folks's men yeah, you don't really uh, Magnum and the stewardesses, uh, the steward eyes would not be able to see that what he's taking pictures of. But we, as the viewer, know that he's taking pictures of the house and the security forces and stuff like that. So we know he's a bad dude. Inexplicably, with the lens he's using, by the way. Oh yeah, there, there's a little bit of uh, uh, television make believe about the length of the lens and the fidelity of the shots he's getting. Yeah, he would need like one of those eight foot long. Sports uh, lenses or something. Lenses that Magnum had in the first episode. Yeah. To be able to get the kind of shots that we're seeing from his from his POV. Well, whatever. Uh. But then Higgins comes down with a megaphone and yells at the guy mm-hmm. that he's on private property and he needs to leave. And only then do you do you realize that the guy's actually super bad. I think he actually says out loud to himself on the boat, like Brigadier, folks, we will suffer our wrath, or it's like something stupid. It's it's a very giving line. Yeah. But Magnum and the two flight attendants have all been invited to dinner in the main house tomorrow night at the request of the brigadier that all of Robin Master's guests be in attendance. Much to Higgins' chagrin. And it will, of course, be black tie. Which, of course, means white jacket. Yes. Just so you know. Which means that... which And Higgins knows that Magnum does not have this. He he relishes in telling Magnum the the dress code because he knows Magnum does not have the appropriate attire for this kind of event. Mm-hmm. But he knows someone who does. So anyhow, he goes to the King Kamehameha Club. Where he meets TC. And borrows a white sport coat from him, like a white uh, suit jacket. Yeah. TC is a little hesitant to lend it to Magnum because it has brought TC a lot of luck in... Uh, uh, lady conquests. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, women like the jacket. They like TC in the jacket. And it mostly fits Magnum, but the sleeves are a little too short. My favorite character moment in this whole episode is actually when Magnum is walking away with the with the jacket and TC is leaving shot on the other side and Magnum sort of calls behind, just sort of calls over his shoulder, I owe you one. And TC just sort of stops and just does like a, uh, 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 he just makes this noise, which very clearly says, one, you owe me one. You owe me way more than one, and you know it. I'll add this to the pile. But it's it gets so much across with just this little stop and disbelieving <laughs> face from TC. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people continue to do Magnum favors because he's extremely uh, charismatic and is honestly a nice person and a good person to have on your side if you ever do need him. But he also seems like he's a lot of trouble to have around his friend. Yeah. So Rick comes and collects Magnum and takes him up to the place in the King Kamehameha Club to find out that case that Rick's been putting on ice for him and is actually the CIA. Yeah, the CIA is there. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, CIA. Ha, ha, how are you? Welcome to Hawaii. <laughs> it's uh, Agent Hooker and Agent Doby. Uh, Doby, who's very hungry. 
Because they've been waiting for hours for Magnum. I want to talk again about character. These guys are way more developed than they need to be. Oh, yeah. I feel in a, in a television show today, it would be two guys with almost no personality. This goes back to the tourist couple from China Doll. Mm-hmm. And, and here again, these supporting characters that they clearly have been together for a while. Like, they know each other. They, they play off each other. And it's totally unnecessary. But it's really nice that it's there. Mm-hmm. Like, Dobie is, like, really hungry. He's like, can I just get some orange juice? And Hooker's like, no, business, business, business. And well, Hooker's complaining about the budget. Yeah, and Rick gives Dobie the menu, and Dobie's like, "Oh, thank God!" and starts flipping through it. And Hooker grabs the menu away from Dobie and is like, "No, no, we need to focus." But then starts reading the menu. Yeah, because he is actually hungry. Yeah, they're they're both hungry. And Magnum's like, "Oh, for God's sake! Here, did you want to?" Because Dobie mentioned orange juice. He's like, "I'll order you a glass of orange juice." Here, it's on me. And. Uh, they bring him up a glass of orange juice. Anyway. They even debate the size of the orange juice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a lot of little details that I feel that you wouldn't get today. You just have two CIA agents who'd come up and be like, we need you to do a job for us, and then they'd leave. Yeah. So anyhow, what do they want, Graham? Well, they want him, They want Magnum to keep an eye on folks. Oh, interesting. Because they think that someone's going to take him out in Hawaii, and the CIA does not like that idea. But the CIA is not direct working with the British intelligence service on this so they can't just go in and be like hey how's it going we think you're incompetent we'd like to come and muscle in because of course you know the US and the UK are are friends and mm-hmm. and they don't want that to be you know come across as rude but at the same time they really don't want this guy who's very important to the UK to get murdered on American soil because even though they had no request for CIA help they don't want anything bad to happen to him because that would also be not good for their relationship and why don't they talk about it because need to know exactly like i said eight times in the episode oh yeah so this is the first need to know count correct i think so i don't know it comes up a lot it yeah it really starts hacking off magnum because he's like if we just spoke to one another if the different branches involved here like if the cia spoke to british intelligence about what because i think that at a high level the CIA and the British intelligence know that they're working together. And at the lowest level, which is like Magnum and Folks's men, mm-hmm. they sort of know. But the middle tiers aren't allowed to acknowledge it kind yeah. of thing. And just, just ticks Magnum off so much. So anyhow, so Magnum is like, why do you want to do all this? And they're like, look, this is on a need-to-know basis. Don't worry about it. We just want you to keep an eye on Folks. And Magnum says, okay, well, the first thing that you guys should look into is there is a creeper on a boat taking pictures of the estate. So there's something for you guys. Uh, oh, but not before negotiating a fantastical sum. $200 a day he wants for his services. Plus expenses. Plus expenses. But I mean, like, what's his expenses? He just sit around at home, right? Yeah, I know. But still, 200 bucks a day. Not yeah, bad. Not bad. And when, Hooker is not happy about having to pay this much, but... If he can work for the CIA for 30,000 days, he can buy himself a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> They make the deal, the agents leave, and Magnum makes the leave, and Rick says, well, what do you want me to do with this uh, with this bill for the orange juice that you apparently were getting? And Magnum says, oh, just, just put it on my tab. And Rick knows what that means, which is that he smiles and tears the receipt in half, because that's Magnum's tab. And then, beautiful edit, beautiful, tears the receipt in half, chucks it down behind the bar, presumably into a garbage pail, as the scene cuts to a shot of a bucket with a sponge being thrown into it from off shot. 
It's a really good scene change. Mm. I'm just, as a as someone who enjoys clever editing, I thought that was really neat. Well, Graham and I both were like, oh, so good. Just to backtrack for a second, I looked up what the minimum wage was in Hawaii in 1980. $3.10 an hour. So Magnum making significantly more than that, even if he's working 24 hours a day. So there you go. All right. Back to the Robin Masters estate, and Mandy's not wearing pants. She's wearing a really, really, really long shirt. Yeah. She's like just a tunic she's, top. Yeah. She's just so keen to talk to Magnum. She uh, wants to know about all the detectiving that he's doing, and, and is is he going to have a chance to show her any of the detectiving? And uh, she, she just thinks it's so neat, and isn't it glamorous, uh, all the things that you're doing? Magnum is like, yeah, uh-huh, uh, yeah, I'm working on a case, again, a different case than the one I was on last night. She's just like, oh, my goodness. And he's just like, yeah, great. Uh, Magnum uh, is a very nice person, but seems a little bit off-put by this sort of naive enthusiasm, mm-hmm. uh, especially with armed guards running around. Yeah. So he gets a call from Hooker, who says, well, we looked into the guy on the sailboat, and he's clean. There's nothing wrong with him. He's like a paparazzi type, probably, and he's probably there to get shots of Robin Masters' estate because Robin Masters is, of course, a very famous author, and that's the kind of thing that people want to see in the, you know, the, I don't know. And his estate is famous People for magazine? Its, I guess. His estate yeah. is famous for the crazy parties and... Yeah, exactly. So The, the rotating cadre of flight attendants. <laughs> yeah, all those hot stews. Yeah. Uh, which, by the way, they never use the term stews in this episode no. because I think they, even they realize that, like, this is dumb. Anyhow... Magnum's like, really? Really? Hooker, the CIA agent, assures him that the guy in the boat is totally clean. Cut to the guy in the boat in a darkroom developing close-up shots of Brigadier Folks while assembling a bomb. Yeah. So Magnum's like, all right, I don't trust that guy in the boat, and I don't think that the CIA guy is telling me everything, so I've got to go check out this dude's place. Mm -hmm. So cut to Magnum and Rick pretending to be movers. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> a specific mover too. He was wearing what was the some some Italian name on yeah. the back of Rick's coat, which he'd borrowed from the mover. Yeah, so they've got like a moving truck. They're moving a big heavy trunk. Rick is doing all of the heavy lifting, despite being about a foot shorter than Magnum. Yeah, but they uh, use the tr- the trunk to obscure the doorway to this guy's beachfront apartment so that Magnum can pick the lock. Mm-hmm. And then they get inside and they're sort of poking around, and uh, Magnum finds the darkroom sees the shots of brigadier folks from today even more recent shots because mm-hmm. now he sees pictures of folks in his dinner jacket ready for the party tonight yeah and he finds the bomb with the watch it's like a watch timed bit of plastic explosive mm-hmm. rick's like um magnum could you come back out to the living room please and magnum, i think i found something interesting and magnum's <laughs> like well i found something interesting magnum comes out CIA agents are there. Yep, Hooker and Dobie are there, and they're really annoyed because they were obviously watching this apartment, and Magnum's like, why didn't you tell me? And it's like, well, you didn't need to know. Need to know, count two. Yeah, and Magnum's like, what did you expect me to do? What, if you told me you were watching him, then I would have left him alone. What what did you think I was going to do, you fools? Yeah, it's like, you hired me to keep an eye on things. I gave you a credible report. You seemed to completely ignore it, and I was concerned that this guy might try to put out a hit on Falks, so I came here to investigate, and now you're yelling at me for investigating? Do you want my services or not, right? And, and I feel that Magnum is in the right here, by the way. Yeah, and they're like, well, you know, obviously we're keeping an eye on him. You know, he's taking these pictures, and Magnum's like, you call this pictures? Look, it's plastic. Like, he has a watch and a bunch of plastique, and my favorite moment of the whole episode, Rick says, explosives? Bye, and just leaves. 
Rick has a good self-preservation instinct. <laughs> He's like, this is now well above what I'm interested in doing. Like, literally the line is, explosives? Bye. With that delivery, and he's gone. Yeah, Rick then <laughs> exits stage right. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if he shows up again in the episode. He just leaves. No, he does. Oh, yeah. oh that's true. That's true. He does show up later. After uh, all the explosives are well, well gone. Yeah. So now we're at the dinner party. Magnum There's, is wearing TC's jacket. He's wearing TC's jacket and a proper shirt. And a and, black tie. And a black bow tie that we later find out to be a clip-on. But, and, like, the jacket is too short, and Magnum, uh, you know, mentions that he's been a little hesitant to, like, reach for, you know, the salt or, like, wine glasses all night. But, you know, he's pretty sure that Higgins has given him the stink eye because he's annoyed that Magnum was able to pull off his black tie look. I think Mag- I think Higgins is giving him the stink eye because he's wearing jeans and deck shoes. With no socks. <laughs> Magnum is completely oblivious <laughs> to this, though. And Higgins has to be, he's basically being the butler for this dinner party that is the brigadier, the two the two flight attendants, and Magnum. And Higgins is having to walk around and, like, refill drinks and offer cigars. And <laughs> he's super annoyed about it. Mm. So anyhow, that's pretty funny. Uh, by the way, I would just like to point out the stewardesses are not dressed in, like, black tie equivalent. Like, I feel like that's more satin. Uh, there's more supportive undergarments involved there. They're just wearing, like, dresses. Um, well, I mean, I'm amazed they even had dresses on them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in their luggage. I, I wouldn't have expected them to have gowns. Yeah, these are a little bit more casual than I would ne- typically associate with a black tie affair. But you don't see Higgins giving them the stink eye, do you? <laughs> So the party sort of winds down. Uh, Magnum goes outside with a backup cigar that he managed to <laughs> snag from Higgins while while Higgins was still having to act as butler. Magnum starts walking out and he sees the brigadier standing in a copse of trees. Mm-hmm. And Magnum walks up to him and the brigadier says, Ah, good, I actually wanted to talk to you. Alone, away from all the all my armed dudes. Describing the dialogue doesn't really work, but it's one of those scenes where they both know that the other person knows everything but they can't say it out loud because, of course, need to know. But basically the brigadier is checking that, yeah, Magnum is also watching out for him. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really interesting. They make a very, uh, very, like, uh, quick reference to the Mountbatten affair. Mm. And and I was like, what the F is that? So I took it down in my notes. And it's an actual BBC News article from the 27th of August, 1979. IRA bomb kills Lord Mountbatten. The Queen's cousin, Lord Lewis Mountbatten, has been killed by a bomb blast on his boat in Ireland. So basically, they were aboard his boat, Shadow 5, which had just set off from the, fish- from the fishing village of Mulgamore, when the bomb detonated at uh, 11.30 British Standard Time. A witness said the blast blew the boat to smithereens and hurled seven occupants into the water. Nearby fishermen raced to rescue to pull Lord Mountbatten from the water, but his legs had almost been severed by the explosion, and he died shortly afterwards. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What was the date on that article? August 27th, 1979. Wow, so it was only a a year and a half before this episode aired. Yeah, exactly. This was extremely current. Yeah. So anyhow, there's this Mountbatten affair thing, and um, interestingly, one of the things that uh, Falks does say to Magnum is that uh, the IRA is trying to bomb the people of Northern Ireland into leaving England, because that's how Falks feels about the whole thing, which is um, perhaps... Uh, a it's certainly it's certainly what someone on his side of the argument would think. Yes, but let's. I think this is a good point in the episode to finally say, "All right, what the heck is 
the troubles and what is going on here. Because if you're not like read up on this, and I certainly wasn't to any great extent, you probably don't know much about this conflict, aside from the fact that it killed some guy who was the cousin of the queen. Uh, so according to Wikipedia, of course, that wonderful reference, the troubles was this sort of ethnic conflict, but how did it start? It actually started in the 1960s, sort of officially, although, you know, it goes back even further than that. And it started with a bunch of people in Northern Ireland saying, hey, I'm actually kind of sick of the Catholics being discriminated against. We get second crack at housing and jobs and public services, and that sucks because we're a minority. So it starts out with good intentions, but the Protestants were not nice and keen on that and uh, did some really shitty things. You can read all about that in the timeline uh, section of the Wikipedia article. Uh, but then what happened was the Catholic people sort of started fighting back and they formed something called the Provisional IRA, which had split off from the other IRA, but they were just basically referred to themselves as the uh, Irish Republican Army, basically trying to say, we want freedom from you jerks. And so it was a paramilitary organization uh, it has, of course, been uh, classified as a terrorist group now. It became an offensive operation in 1971 after sort of some crackbacks against civil rights uh, protest movements. And uh, basically, their primary goal was to force the British to negotiate a withdrawal from Northern Ireland. And so it used guerrilla tactics to, to do so. Their opponents were the, the Irish police, but also a, a group called the Ulster Volunteer Force, which was sort of the IRA's equivalent on the Let's Stay in England side. This has also been classified as a terrorist group. Uh, it's a very complicated thing. Basically, it was a bunch of people who would go around and either bomb prominent Catholic members of the IRA, uh, a lot of civilians were killed, unfortunately, though. There was, like, bombs put out at, like, you know, Remembrance Day parades and stuff like that, and pubs. Um, and it was terrible. Both sides killed a lot of people. So that's the troubles. In about two minutes. Anyhow. Once Magnum and the Brigadier finish their conversation, we look over to the water and see that there in the water is Mandy going for a late-night swim, because why not? But then also in the water is a frogman. A what? A scuba diver man. A man in a scuba suit. It's called a frog a frogman suit. Where? In life. Okay. In the world. Okay, so there's a frogman. A frogman. New from DC Comics. It's frogman. Um, obviously, he's not supposed to be there, so Magnum runs into the water in TC's jacket. Oh, no. <laughs> to, to try and, like, protect Mandy? Yeah, to pull her down behind the concrete sort of barricade while the brigadier's men gun down the guy in the scuba suit. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mandy is terrified by this and is just screaming. Uh, as, as one would. Yeah, Mandy and Magnum are not almost shot, but they certainly kill the guy in the frog suit. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's a little scary. Once back inside, the... Soaking uh, wet Magnum. The soaking wet Magnum is now talking to the brigadier's men and Hooker and Dobie. Who have shown up. Who have shown up and are giving... Higgins crap for the security of the compound and really nice look at the dynamic from Higgins and Magnum in this scene. Yeah. Cause because Higgins is all pissed off and they're like, you don't need to know anything. You don't need to know what's going on. And Magnum says, no. Yeah. This guy, this guy should know more than anything. Like Magnum goes to the wall for Higgins in this scene mm -hmm. and Higgins shows actual concern for Magnum's well being. He's like, are you okay? Like, you were almost shot. Like he, he actually, you can tell he is truly concerned about this human being, which I just, I just like that, you know, it's like, oh, they do care. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and it's really nice that once again you show that that despite the fact that Higgins is kind of mean and torments Magnum a lot. Uh, Magnum, and that Magnum gives Higgins every reason to be mean to him. But when it really counts, Magnum is like, no, you know, you know, Higgins needs to be know know what's going on. He needs to know what you CIA folk are doing here. He deserves to be included in this. It's his responsibility. And and I think Higgins appreciates that. So it's a nice it's a nice character friendship building moment. Mm-hmm. In the morning, Magnum is really confused that they didn't find anything when they searched the tidal pool. And mm-hmm. he's going to go out and do his laps and totally not also look at the tidal pool because mm-hmm. he thinks that something might have been dropped. Because the thing is, the guy wasn't armed. Yeah, he didn't have anything on him. Which So why is he trying to sneak inside? Yeah. So Magnum goes out there just as uh, Mandy's coming out of the water. From her morning swim. From her morning swim. Uh, and they sort of, they have a little discussion. And, and she's just like, oh, those men last night were just awful. And Magnum's like, oh, sweetie, I'm sorry. And is very soothing and very nice. And She's laying it on real thick, too. Yeah, and Magnum is like super not buying this. And he's like, well, you run inside. And uh, I, th- I think they, they make out a little. And he's like, I'll come and find you in the guest house in a little bit after I do my laps. And she's like, okay. And gathers up her towel and sundries, whatever they might be, and runs back inside. And Magnum is immediately like, all right, to business and like combs the tidal pool with like a fine tooth comb. Yeah, but can't find anything. Searches the tidal pool with a fine tooth comb. Yes. When the empty handed Magnum arrives back by the house, he finds Mandy hanging out by the brigadier's car where the audience has just seen her put the plastic explosive timer bomb in the fuel tank. Well, it's not technically the Brigadier's car. Which, this is Robin 2, as the Audi as last seen in the previous episode, because we find out that Higgins will be giving the Brigadier a ride to the airport. So that's a problem, because we want Higgins not to die. I mean, we're like so-so on the Brigadier at this point, but we're pretty invested in Higgins as a character. He seems like a fun guy. But luckily, Magnum suspects something is up, because Magnum's a smart person. And just as he's about to make a move on her, she pulls out a gun and tells him that he, he's not going to move or do anything because this is how it's got to be. And he's just like, no, you're going to kill innocent people who have nothing to do with anything about this. This is crazy. You can't do that. I should point out, this is after the other car has left. I don't know if I made that clear. We see Mandy put the bomb in the car. Higgins and the brigadier and two of his men get in the car and leave. Oh, yeah. And then Magnum figures out that it's her. Mm-hmm. And she pulls a gun on him. Mm-hmm. They're talking back and forth. Magnum's trying to talk her out of it, trying to get her to put the gun down so that he can jump in the Ferrari and run off because he figures, he realizes that it's something in the car before he realizes it's Mandy Mm because he jumps in the Ferrari. He's like, I have to catch them, starts the car, and then Mandy pulls the gun on him and is like, get out of the car. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, of course it's you. I knew, I knew, he's like, I figured something was up, but oh, unsurprisingly... The remaining brigadier's men are like, that crazy lady's pointing a gun at Magnum, and we know Magnum's clean, so... We know Magnum's working for the CIA, so she's probably a problem. <laughs> Better shoot her. So they shoot her. And, I mean, fair point. Uh, yeah. And then Magnum takes a brief moment to mourn her, probably longer than I would have taken, and then jumps in the Ferrari and tries to chase down Robin, too. Uh, and then there's a chase scene. With underwhelming music. But better music than has been in previous chase scenes. Yes. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. Yes, possibly next time. But I mean, like, it's not great because it's still kind of the sort of 
weird jazzy magnum theme, but it does have a little bit more propulsion than the previous chase scene music, which was languid, is mm. uh, my adjective languid. choice. Uh, so anyhow. So Magnum hauling ass. Swerving in and out of traffic, just crazy. He's praying that Mick, that uh, Higgins is taking his regular route to the airport. Otherwise, he'll never be able to catch them. Luckily, he is. Yeah. Um, and he pulls up beside Robin 2, and Higgins is like, Magnum, you idiot, what is going on? And Magnum's like, pull over. Go, go, go. And, and Higgins won't. Yeah. So <laughs> Magnum has to actually cut them off yeah. and run them off the road. Yeah. And then jog back over to the car and be like, there's a bomb, get out of the car. Yeah, this is, by the way, this is the, the bomb when you see Mandy put it in the gas tank has a five-minute ca- countdown timer. This is the longest five minutes in the history of television. It's a little over six. Yeah, in real life. Yeah. It, uh, it, 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 there's about a minute of fudge time. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously there's fudge time on all these things, but perhaps this is not... It does not played with the intensity that perhaps you would see in an episode of 24. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they jump out of the car, run away, dive behind a concrete wall, and they're like, eh? Eh? And then Higgins is like, when is this bomb supposed to go off? And then, pow, Robin 2 blows up. Yep. And Higgins says, about now, or, or Magnum says, eh, about now. Yeah. And then, uh, speaking of good quips, yeah. Uh, Folks says, I thought we disposed of our man last night, Magnum. I suppose we missed somebody. To which Magnum replies, no, it was the girl, Brigadier, and your men didn't miss her. Womp womp. Yeah, which is, I believe it's the the double point there is that A, he missed her, and B, oh, your men didn't miss her. Your men were looking at her plenty. And shot her. I feel that was the, that's the... Also that. Does she ever explain her motivation in that scene no she's just like they're terrible people hmm fair enough i mean and to be I fair i feel like the guy on the boat got more of a backstory yeah he, the the guy on the boat's backstory is that he is american but got involved in the ira in college and i imagine mandy's is the same because she is also american and to be fair both sides terrible people we're not taking a side in this. You can look up the UVF, and you can look up the IRA, and you can look up all of the people they killed and all the civilians both sides killed. You can see that neither side was very nice in this conflict. Back in the guest house, everything at the Robin Masters estate has returned to normal. Rick is making pasta sauce. Yeah, a really good red sauce that he says would uh, make Sinatra flip his lid or something equally Something stupid. weird. Uh, Rick doesn't have great lines. We're not um, going to lie. Uh, later guest star on the series Frank Sinatra? Yes. Really? Apparently. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, TC comes in, running from Zeus and Apollo. He wants to get his jacket back because he's got a hot date, and he needs his hot date jacket. And uh, he's worried. He's like, where's the jacket, Magnum? I told you to get it back to me in pristine condition. And Magnum's like, here it is. Here, look, see? It's in a garment bag. Nice and clean and beautiful and pressed and everything. And And TC's just like, oh, man, I am actually, I feel really bad. Sorry for doubting you. And sort of this trails off as he's putting on the jacket, and he realizes it no longer fits because it has somehow shrunk. Because of being in the water. I feel like Magnum threw it in the dryer. Probably. Uh, Magnum, by the way, is is left at this point. Yeah, he's running out the door. <laughs> yeah. Laughing. And that's kind of where the episode ends. This is this was a really good episode, by the way. This was, I think, my favorite episode so far. Yeah, no, this episode was great. I way give this episode a nine out of ten on my Kathleen rating scale. Way better than the Christmas episode, which was super weird. Yeah. This was this was just really good. Lots of lots of cool characters going on, lots of neat back and forth. It it actually was good wasn't, characterization, good character development in this. Yeah, it wasn't as 
obvious that it was Mandy as perhaps we made it sound in this podcast? Like, Yeah. I mean, like, you definitely know that something is up with Mandy mm. because she's laying it on a little thick and she's a little, like, unsubtle with her magnum infatuation. But at the same time, you think maybe she's just an, an idiot at first. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Uh, and not that she is uh, not that she is actually the, the bad guy. But I thought that was a good plot twist. Also, I wanted to share a little bit about Richard Johnson, who, who? Pl- who played Alistair Folks. Folks. Who, uh, much like... George Chung, who's played many, many of the same character over the years. Richard Johnson has played many, many of the same character over the years. Let me just read you some of the character names he has played in different shows. Sir William Embleton, Bernard Qualtro, Rex Masters, James Fitroy. Well, Rex Masters sounds like it could be in a porn. (laughs) Sir James Hogarth. Right. Sir Alistair Montgomery. Oh, wow. Distinguished gentleman. I feel like <laughs> this guy is like, when you need a toffee British man. Uh, if there is a British TV series that involves murder in any way. He's been in it? He has been in an episode of it. But has he been in an episode of Murder, She Wrote? He has. What? Playing, really? Playing Lord Jeffrey Constable. Dear God. Okay, well, never mind then. He's... I, we, did not, we did not set up that gag, but No, the that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and in two seasons' time... He comes back as a different character? No, the character, Brigadier Folks, returns to Magnum. Well, we'll look forward to that in about nine months of podcast time. Something like that, yeah. But that was it for the episode No Need to Know. Next episode is called Skin Deep. Oh, that sounds exciting. It could be anything. That's true. Probably involving beauty somehow. Oh, I hope so. Because of Skin Deep. I mean, that makes sense. I bet it will involve... A murder. A murder. A murder. So I would just like to point out, I'd just like to update the uh, the the two counts we have going now, which is the, uh, that's racist count, <laughs> and the uh, deaths with no consequences count. This episode was not only a good episode, it, n- it increased neither of our running tallies. Magnum did not kill anyone. Well, Magnum's death without consequences. Yeah, well, two yeah. people got killed, but they were gunned yeah, but, down by the Brigadier's men. Yeah, exactly. So Magnum did not kill anyone without consequences. And I feel there were, in fact, consequences for both of those deaths. Yeah. So, and nobody said anything outwardly racist. So maybe we can keep this going for another episode. There weren't even, there, there were no... There weren't even any Irish Exactly, jokes. exactly. There was nothing. It was all treated... Surprisingly seriously. Yeah, which is uh, impressive. Yeah, so... Definitely my favorite episode so far. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that was No Need to Know. We'll be back with Skin Deep next week. And uh, please, as always, give us feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. The Twitter is at LoadingReadyRun, but our personal Twitters is I'm at Graham underscore LRR. That's G-R-A-H-A-M. And I'm at Kathleen underscore LRR, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. And uh, we welcome your feedback. And please tell your friends if they like Magnum, if they like weird TV, if they like good TV, if they like bad TV, or if they just like 1980s ephemera, they may enjoy this podcast. Yeah, I think that you don't have to have watched or even intend to watch the show to enjoy the podcast. At least that's what we're trying to bring to it. Mm -hmm. As always, our ability to do this is made possible by your kind uh, support on our Patreon, patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun which supports uh, this and many, many other things that the Greater Loading Ready Run universe creates. And we really appreciate your ongoing support for it. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.
have a funny thing to say. Do we need a funny sign-off? I'm trying to think of one. Let's treat this topic with seriousness and respect. Okay. <laughs>